is a usual trajectory for words that have multiple meanings, especially if one is an abstract meaning. Usually they have a concrete meaning that comes first, and then there's a kind of metaphorical extension. Sometimes we have words that are similar, and it's just a coincidence. And sometimes there are words that are similar, and that is a coincidence, but they also kind of intersect anyway. Coming up on Word Matters, a set of words with counterintuitive semantic trajectories and the story of ferment and foment. I'm Emily Brewster, and Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media. On each episode, Merriam-Webster editors Amon Shea, Peter Sokolowski, and I explore some aspect of the English language from the dictionary's vantage point. We are well acquainted with the metaphorical extensions of our words. The warmth we experience physically on a sunny day, of course, preceded the warmth of a comfortable friendship. But there are some words that went in the opposite direction semantically, words with abstract meanings that predate the concrete meanings one might assume came first. I'll lay them out for you. We often talk about how words shift in meaning, and there is a usual trajectory for words that have multiple meanings, especially if one is an abstract meaning. Usually they have a concrete meaning that comes first, and then there's a kind of metaphorical extension. So we use the word star metaphorically, but it began the astronomical entity is the thing that started, right? We start with the thing in the sky, then we get to a brilliant performer. That's the usual way that semantic development happens with a word. But there are a number of words that buck this trend, and I've been collecting them for a long time. I don't have a very big list, but I have some. In the course of lexicography, we're often looking at what the earliest meaning of a word is. And so, for example, I was looking at the entry for the word sloth, And I had assumed that the famously slow-moving arboreal mammal was where the word sloth came from. But that is not true. It was the other way around? Yeah. The original meaning of the word sloth was disinclination to action or labor. So the creature was actually named for that quality of indolence. Yeah. (laughs) That indolence meaning existed for about 400 years before the the word came to refer to the animal. Wow. It seems kind of fitting that sloth would be late to the game, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, I think it does. That's a good point. And that somehow the sin would precede the creature. It's really a lot to throw on a creature, I think. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, it is one of the seven deadly sins. Right, but it would be also like calling a deer fast or something. Right. You know, naming it for its ability. For a quality that it has. Here's another one. This is the word engine think of an engine, I think of a car, a car's engine, right? Think of a thing. Right. It's technically a machine for converting energy into mechanical force and motion. But the word comes from Latin ingenium, meaning natural disposition or talent. So it originally in English meant ingenuity. And then Mm. also it meant evil contrivance or while. So if you have engine trouble, you're having trouble with your evil contrivance. So it became mechanical in the mechanical age, I mean, the 19th century, or even maybe in the 18th century, I suppose there were engines, of course, before there was piston-driven fuel engines. There were other kinds of engines that could be pushed by water power or by turning a wheel or something. But that's a sort of a fascinating development. Honestly, I would have taken engine to be a concrete term. Right. Obviously, now, primarily, it is a mm-hmm. concrete term. 
at Merriam-Webster, we do not keep track of when a particular sense develops. And so I'm looking in the OED right now, the Oxford English Dictionary is where I can find out this kind of information. And the OED's earliest example of the word referring to a machine or instrument is all the way from 1380. Oh, wow. So you're saying that engine really comes from ingenuity or it's the same root? It's the same root. So they clearly referred to whatever the mechanical device was as something that was from the spirit of imagination or creativity or something that was useful, something that was practical, and ingenuity became an engine. Right. The object was an extension of human ingenuity. It makes perfect sense. Wow. That's a great one. Are you ready for another one? Please. The word gravity. And you must know what the original meaning of gravity is, right? Seriousness, right? Yes, yes. We define it as dignity or sobriety of bearing. And then later it came to refer to importance or seriousness. And it comes from the Latin gravis, meaning Mm -hmm. heavy. Gravitas. Yes. That one is a little less opaque. However, we think of gravity in the scientific sense as being primary. Right. All right. Dilate. You're saying that the medical use of this is not the original use of... That's right. The enlarge or expand, become wide. Mm -hmm. That meaning is not the original meaning. First meaning that the word dilate had in English was to describe or set forth at length or in detail. Wow. So, but the use that refers to widening, like pupils dilating, that is directly from the Latin word dilatare. I'm sure I'm not saying that correctly, means to spread wide. So the English language started out applying this Latin word for discourse, for a way of communicating, and then also applied it in this other more concrete meaning. My favorite one, though, of all of these, this is the first word that I noticed that had this quality of having a more familiar abstract meaning or a familiar abstract meaning as being older meaning. That is the word parasite. Oh, yes. I had assumed that typically unhelpful typically harmful organism that Mm -hmm. lives in or on another organism and uses it shamelessly, Mm -hmm. that that was the original meaning of a parasite. But in fact, the social parasite is the word's first territory. A person who exploits the hospitality of the rich and earns welcome by flattery is what our definition says. And we date that to when? Does that come from an ancient language? Parasite ultimately comes from Greek, from para and sitos, mm-hmm. the sitos meaning grain or food. I but see. But parasite was the name of a stock character in Greek and Roman comedy. Aha. And it was used in French, and that does ring true to courtly life in France, that kind of identification of a type. And it came from French into English with this meaning. Yeah. Wow. So Parasite was the guy who gets the wealthy and influential character to give him food by tending to matters wow. involving the host's heart or ego or attention span. Sure. A useful leech. There were a lot of words hundreds of years ago. There were a lot of words like smell feast, which was somebody who was very good at getting invited to dinner. You could smell out a feast or sorner, somebody who could beg a meal. That was, I think, a very common idea that we needed a lot of words for back then. So it almost makes sense to me that Parasite would have entered in that sense. Smell feast makes me think of smell fungus. Smell fungus. Harping critic. A harping critic. But this is also has literary origins. It was a character from a Lawrence Stern novel. Mm. He was a hypercritical mm. traveler in A Sentimental Journey Through France and Italy, published in 1768. Do you have a term for these kinds of words? You call them like cart before the horse word or something, <laughs> something wittier than that? I don't. I don't have a word for them. 
you know, the... Ass-ackwards words. Back-ass words. Yes, I'm going with that, Mammon. Thank you. That is what they are now called, back-ass-word words. You're listening to Word Matters. I'm Emily Brewster. Stay tuned for a pair of words that are both about getting a rise out of something. Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Ammon Shea. Do you have a question about the origin, history, or meaning of a word? Email us at wordmatters at m-w dot com. I'm Peter Sokolowski. Join me every day for The Word of the Day, a brief look at the history and definition of one word, available at merriam-webster.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more podcasts from New England Public Media, visit the NEPM Podcast Hub at nepm.org. The words ferment and foment sound a lot alike and sometimes inhabit overlapping territory despite their quite distinct etymologies. Peter leads our conversation about where each came from and where they've been since. Sometimes we have words that are similar, and it's just a coincidence. And sometimes there are words that are similar, and that is a coincidence, but they also kind of intersect anyway. And that often causes confusion or a little bit of blending in our minds. And two such words are ferment and foment. You might associate the word ferment with making beer or yogurt or kimchi and the word foment with inciting violent acts. But even though they sort of are spelled in a similar way and sound slightly alike, the fact is they have something in common at their root. We use them today in ways that have developed over the centuries, and they're not really common everyday words, which is maybe why they're easily confused and that they're slightly similar. But ferment, we connect with food. And that is the origin of the word, which comes from the Latin word for yeast, fermentum. And the Latin verb simply meant to cause, to rise, or ferment, the way we use it today. But the ultimate root in Latin, fervere, meant to boil. And that's sort of where these two terms cross. There's another word, fervent, which also comes from that boil sense. But heat is the operative idea here. In other words, ferment, which in Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, he defined as a gentle boiling or the internal motion of the constituent parts of a fluid. And the point that I'm trying to make is that fermenting liquid bubbles. So it looked like it was boiling. So to the ancients, there was this idea of boiling when you created this chemical reaction. I have to interject here. I'm speaking up on behalf of the confused a group of people of which I am so often a member. If you look up ferment in our dictionary, and I presume most other dictionaries, you you get an intransitive sense to undergo fermentation, to Mm -hmm. be in a state of agitation. Then there's a transitive sense to cause to undergo fermentation. And then we give a second transitive sense, which is foment. So are these words 
in fact synonymous is one just so often used mistakenly for the other that it's become accepted why would the dictionary do this to us <laughs> I think the clear answer to your question is that when a word is used with a particular meaning, even if that meaning is newer and is different from its original meaning, and even if that meaning is already addressed by a very similar sounding word that already exists, that word can take on that other meaning. And then the words are indeed used synonymously. So we have evidence of the word ferment being transitively used to mean foment. But it doesn't go the other way. For instance, we do not define foment as ferment. It's no. only a one-way street here, right? Oh, I think so. And I think what this really means is that ferment is the fun word. And foment <laughs> is the word that is never fun, right? Unless you get pleasure out of agitation, which some people right, do, right. of course. Ferment is always the one. If you want the word that's got some fun to it, you want the word ferment. <laughs> and who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> so in this sense, it does kind of remind me of podium and lectern, in that purists or people who care about these things devoutly like to say that a podium is something that you stand on and a lectern is something you stand at. Our dictionary defines podium as either one, but we do not make that allowance for lectern. A lectern is just something you stand at. We don't say it's something you stand on. And I think the reason is because that's how people use it. They use one of these words with two meanings, and they use the other one with a singular meaning. That's that, right. Kind of the case here. Well, yes. And I think part of that is the idea of figurative versus literal also, because the word ferment, as we understand it, has to do with this process, with this action, with this creation of beer or yogurt, for example. And then that foment sense is a figurative sense, is a metaphor. And as we'll see, the same process happened with foment, but we have dropped the literal sense of foment. That's why it doesn't go both ways, I think. What is the origin of foment? You talked about what the origin of ferment is. Right. Foment. So foment is also from Latin, and fomentum meaning compress, like a folded cloth. And it comes from fovere, meaning to heat or to soothe. In other words, you put a hot cloth on a wound or on a sore part of the body. And so its original meaning in English was to apply a warm substance to. And even Webster in 1828, he had that sense, to apply warm lotions to, to bathe with warm medicated liquors or with flannel dipped in warm water. So that foment was what we would now call a compress, I think, a hot compress. And so that was the literal use of foment. Now, that meaning has become obsolete in English. Another English word from fovere is the word fomite, which is one that many of us are familiar with only since the pandemic, an object that may be contaminated with something that's infectious. And we were thinking about don't touch doorknobs, don't touch in our radio studios, don't touch the dials and the mouse and the keyboard, etc., in the early days of the pandemic, I remember wondering if we should be concerned about getting the mail. Are there fomites on packages that get delivered to your house? And then we learned that, no, you do not have to worry about COVID-19 being spread through fomites. But you see the connection with ferment, which has bubbles, which the ancients took to mean it's boiling, and foment, which means to heat. So the fact is they do have something that connects them as ideas, which may be in the back of people's minds is why they use ferment for foment. Also, ferment is a far more common word, yes. and so it gets sure. applied more broadly. I appreciate the fact that it's more common because it says something about eating and drinking and the pleasures of life rather than the treating of ailments. Yes, indeed. But the word foment today has the meaning to promote the growth or development of, which is a synonym of words like incite or to rouse, as in to foment a rebellion. 
And this meaning is also close to the word inflame. And so again, inflame the passions of someone is to heat them. And again, this is a metaphor. It's a figurative use of this term. Right. Most of those, insight, foment, and flame, they're almost always a negative kind of promotion of growth or development. Rousing can be neutral or positive. It's not very commonly that you foment the development of a new student body organization. It is a promotion of the growth or development of something that is going to cause some trouble. But if inflame and foment are kind of figurative uses of to heat or to burn, then we have also ferment, and we also say brew. The controversy was brewing. It's exactly the same image. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah, it really is. The semantic territory is addressed by both of these words. It's a superficial resemblance. They sort of sound alike. They sort of are spelled alike. And they have different etymons, but they do sort of cross paths in interesting ways. It's just one of these cases of usage where we have to pay attention if we really care about accuracy. But then what we learn is, of course, you open up a whole world of etymological meanings and historical meanings and even obsolete meanings. When a foment meets a ferment passing through the rye and all that. (laughs) (laughs) Things bubble up. Let us know what you think about Word Matters. Review us wherever you get your podcasts or email us at wordmatters at m-w.com. You can also visit us at nepm.org. And for the word of the day and all your general dictionary needs, visit merriam-webster.com. Our theme music is by Tobias Voigt. Artwork by Annie Jacobson. Word Matters is produced by John Vosey and Adam Maid. For Peter Sokolowski and Amon Shea, I'm Emily Brewster. Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media.